Welcome everyone, I'm Daniel Joseph and you're on the Corner Fringe. Today I actually want to open up with a little bit of wisdom from a Roman philosopher, a Roman lawyer, Cicero. As we look and we see what is happening to this country today, Cicero offers us a little warning and this is what he says. A nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known and carries his banner openly. But the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely, his sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in accents familiar to his victims. He wears their face and their arguments. In other words, you have people that appear to be championing your cause. People who appear to be concerned about your well-being. He appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. He infects the body politic so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to fear. The traitor is the plague. The traitor is the plague. When traitors successfully infiltrate, as we see here, it gets to the point where he will infect the body politic so much to the degree that they can no longer resist. And this is something that we covered in part five of ideological subversion. When that takes root, no matter how much truth you proclaim, People are unable to process it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this country, the United States of America, despite very few people recognizing we are in a state of all-out war, we are under attack. It is mind-blowing of the apathy that we see. And not just in, in, in regard to, you know, patriots picking up guns and, and showing physical resistance, but the, the apathetic nature of not turning back to repentance, of not truly repenting. This is frightening. And why is this happening? We have traitors infecting the nation who wear the mass of humanitarians. Oh, they wear the mass of social justice and equality. They go bear the arguments of the people. All the while, they intentionally are seeking to undermine the nation and to bring it absolutely to its knees. A great example of this is the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, if we were just to, to take this caption, just to take this title, I, I think it's safe to say, I don't, know, I don't personally know anyone that wouldn't say this is a beautiful thing. What a beautiful statement, Black Lives Matter. I'll take it a step further. This is a biblical statement. This is biblical morality. Loving our neighbor as ourself. Unfortunately, this title is but a mask. Because once you take this mask off, what you find is an insidious scheme. What you find behind the mask is frightening. 
we're going to talk about this today because this has everything to do with the rider on the red horse. This has everything to do with Bible prophecy. This has everything to do with taking peace from the earth. This has everything to do with creating a one world government, a new world order. And so to really begin this, I want to, uh, I want to open up by sharing with you or talking about this gal here, who is the founder, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. And her name is Patrice Colors. And there's something about the founders that you need to appreciate. And it's something that's gone viral. And I'll let her tell you in her own words. Listen to this video. Um, I also think that it might, um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. And I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many, many black folk. So there you have it. At the core of, as you take the mask off, at the core of the BLM movement is a structure, a framework that is very much established of a Marxist theology. In other words, if you're not familiar with that, this is communism. They are absolutely, the heartbeat of this organization is communistic. And of course, that becomes extremely problematic uh, if in fact you love the word of God, if in fact you love, if you identify as a Christian, if in fact you love this country, if you love America, this is problematic. Let me share an article with you. And this is, I could give you hundreds of examples. This is just one example. Let me share this article with you and you'll get to understand where the BLM movement is really coming from in regard to this country. The headline reads, F America, pro-police rally gets hijacked by angry Black Lives Matter militants outside Governor Walz's mansion right here in what I would call used to be the great state of Minnesota. Now, obviously, I, I'm showing you this so that you understand the sediment behind the attitude, the belief in regard to BLM, in regard to the Marxist theology. It despises the notion of America, the idea of capitalism, the idea that you will reap what you sow. In other words, if I want to go start a business and I want to work very hard and I can reap the dividends from that, Marxism is the antithesis to this. It despises that. It despises the word of God. It despises faith in Christ. It despises all of these things. It hates the Declaration of Independence. It hates the heritage of this country. Uh, and so this kind of is, is an eye-opener for you. Uh, even to the point where, I mean, there's other things we could talk about. Uh, all the statue, the whole statue thing that's going on. We have statues falling all over the place. President Trump has to initiate an executive order to stop the insanity because statues are falling. They're even abolitionists. Uh, Christian Hans Haig, I believe, uh, who died fighting for against slavery. And 
even his statue is torn down. And you, you have to see, and, and at the helm of this, is who's at the helm of this? You have Antifa and, and BLM, Black Lives Matter. They're at the helm of this, uh, dis- really vehemently despising everything that they see and declaring it as racist. Now, what is really going on here? And today is going to be about peeling back more layers of, of what is really going on. I want to share just a short clip with you. Uh, her name is Elizabeth. She's from Venezuela. And she sees what's happening in America right now. And listen to what she has to say here. Why do I even worry about some silly little statues coming down or some silly little street names changing? Why do I care? It's because the last time I didn't care about this, I was a teenager. I have already lived through this thing when I was living in Venezuela. Statues came down, Chavez didn't want that history displayed. And then he changed the street names, then came the curriculum, then some movies couldn't be shown on certain TV channels, and so on and so forth. You guys think it can happen to you? I've heard this so many times. But always be on guard. Never believe something can't happen to you. You need to guard your country and your society or it will be destroyed. We didn't believe it could happen to us. Us Venezuelans, Cubans warned us. And we're like, Venezuela, we know what freedom is like. That's not going to happen here. Yet it happened. And there's clearly a lot of people wanting to destroy the U.S. How eye-opening is that? where this gal from Venezuela is looking at everything that's happening in this country right now. And she said, I've seen this before. When communism comes in, when Chavez comes in, they start tearing down the statues. They start renaming street names. There can't be any history whatsoever. Communism is a cancer. It comes in and kills everything. Uh, We will control the airwaves. Look around. What is happening in this country right now? We are tearing down the statues. Nothing new for communism. We're renaming street names or universities, talking about renaming their universities. We have right here in, in Minnesota, we have lakes being renamed because it's the, the original name is being tied to racism. Everything, the statues, everything, even apparently abolitionist statues need to fall. Everything's racist, which I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you're going to understand why. And you're going to understand there, there's an aspect to that term that is so critical for you. There's a new nomenclature that exists in our culture. And unless you understand it, um, you're left scratching your head. But this, this gal is looking at this and saying, I recognize this and don't think for a moment, don't be so arrogant to think you can't be taken out. Because right now we have the cloud of communism looming over this country, pressing down, and it is pressing down hard. I want to share an article with you uh, pertaining to the statues. And the headline reads as follows. Martin Luther King's, as in junior, niece offers words of wisdom as leftists tear down statues, step back, and re-examine. Interesting. We're fighting over statues now, whose statues should be up and whose should be not. Alveda King told Fox News' Neil Cavuto uh, during Monday's broadcast of Your World. And Cavuto asked King what her uncle and her father, Alfred Daniel Williams King, 
would think of the current anti-statue craze, given that they launched the civil rights movement in the heart of a region deeply rooted in Confederate memorials. And that's just a fact. Listen to her response. This is incredible. Well, they actually preached the Bible along with their dad, she said, referencing Martin Luther King Sr.'s, uh, her grandfather. They taught us to learn to live together as brothers and sisters and not perish together as fools. This is so vitally important that you hear what she just said. Now, her uncle was the greatest civil rights leader in the history of this nation, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And she tells us that his focus, what he did, and what he did for his family, is he went out and taught the Word of God. See, where Dr. King drew his inspiration from was the Word. Where he drew wisdom from was the Word. Where he got clarity from was the Word. Where he understood what love was, was the Word. Where he got self-control was the Word of God. I'm going to tell you this right now. Black Lives Matter, the Word of God is the absolute, is the antithesis to what they stand for. In fact, it's anathema to them. Everything that Black Lives Matter stands for outside of its title is anti-biblical. One of their core tenets is to be pro-LGBT. They despise family in the sense of they want to disrupt the family unit. They want to run, they want to see families operate in a communistic setting, uh, which is vastly different from the biblical model and from the model that has been experienced here for many, many years, but only through the last several decades has absolutely been destroyed. And so I, I, I want to I share another article with you. And this is by Ryan Bomberger. Uh, he is a Christian and he is black. And so with that in mind, listen to what he says here. The headline, Top 10 Reasons I Won't Support Black Lives Matter Movement. And this is how we begin here. Yes, black lives matter, but truth matters. As a Christian, the church should be leading on these issues instead of sheepishly following a deceptive movement hostile to the gospel. Now, I could not have articulated that better. But as I mentioned in, in the last video, one thing that is absolutely vital that we have to understand, that the problems with humanity, with its failures, with its hatred, it is not going to be solved with organizations. It's not going to be solved, certainly, with with communistic organizations, it's not going to be solved with sensitivity training. All of these things are going to epically fail. There's only one way to broach the subject, and that is through the gospel of Jesus, Yeshua. There is no other way. The very one who, who gives life, who brings hope, who delivers uh, forgiveness and redemption, who can lead you in sanctification, who can give you eternal life, who can give you the strength and the spirit to love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other way to accomplish this but 
the gospel. And that's why what, what, this, what this man says here is absolutely so beautiful and true. Well, he's going to give us a few reasons. I'm not going to go through all 10. But look at some of the reasons he won't support as a, a, a black American Christian why he won't support this movement. Number one, the premise isn't true. Now you think about that. The whole premise of what they declare, Black Lives Matter, he says the premise isn't true. I hate racism, and I hate when it's used as a political weapon. According to the FBI's latest homicide statistics, I'm 11 times more likely to be killed by someone of my own brown complexion than a white person. Also, a comprehensive 2019 study, which I've actually viewed, concluded white officers are not more likely to shoot minority civilians than non-white officers. In other words, what he's just saying is he's looking at statistically, we don't have this systemic issue of racism. Do we have racism? Well, there's no debate about that. Of course we do. Do we have police brutality? Of course we do. Is it systemic or is it more of the rarity? Now, clearly, as much activity as the police are involved in our lives and stuff like this, uh, it, it clearly isn't systemic. And there are many people that you can talk to on the streets to say, hey, we need the police. And when I say that, I'm talking on the streets of Harlem. And they say, we need the police. You take the police away, there'll be nothing but violence. And so statistics are showing that, you know, what Black Lives Matter, the platform that they're trying to work off of and they're trying to purport, it's not statistically accurate. Yes, again, I say, and, and, and this gentleman wouldn't hesitate to say, yes, there's cases of racism, and yes, there's cases of police brutality. And yes, of course, we need reform and better accountability. There, there's no question about that. But look at what he says next about Black Lives Matter. He says, there is no goal of forgiveness or reconciliation, none. That isn't in the handbook of Karl Marx. There, there is no such thing in communism. There's only hatred. There's only oppression. There's only the goal of the state, which is nothing more than the goal of Antichrist. That's all they have. So there is no concept of forgiveness. Moving on, they heavily promote homosexuality and transgenderism. Again, I, I'm gonna tell you right now, one of the core tenets of Black Lives Matters is this. It is pushing the LGBT agenda. And this is an actual quote. He's quoting them. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the right or the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. It, doesn't that remind you of something? It kind of reminds me of the conversation the devil had with Eve in the garden. When he, he suggested you're under this tight grip. You're so confined. Free yourself. Free your mind. Did God really say you shall not eat of every tree? Oh, no, 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 no. You're actually inhibiting progression of you progressing. You can take and eat, and guess what? You will surely not die. It's the same spirit. And so this is a core tenet of Black Lives Matters. And that's why I say when you remove the mask, it is insidious at its core. It is sending more, it's going to send more people to hell than you can count. Ryan goes on, he says this, they completely ignore fatherhood. And then quoting them, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages. Now I'm gonna tell you one thing 
that, and it's not a surprise when you know who the founders are, but there's a lot of communistic terminology that is used. And you can read through their pages, and I'll even give you an example of it uh, today, even outside of what we're looking at here. But this concept of it takes a village, birth in communism. This is, this is a concept where children don't belong to their parents. They belong to the state. They belong to whole communities. And the reason that is is because the communists do not want parents indoctrinating their children with any values or morals or anything outside of what the state desires, what communism desires. It requires total allegiance to their cause to the growth of communist, communism. And so anything that inhibits that is absolutely enemy, and parents are number one. And so it says, extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Well, isn't that sound nice? But in practice, it's a living hell. It's a separation. It's a destruction of the family. Moving on, they want to abolish prisons and police forces, which is absolute insanity. And understand, I mean, this is a communist agenda. Get, you know, the police forces are the front lines in every municipality. They are armed and they are organized and they are known to have authority. In other words, they are going to be critical if communism is going to come in and take over a country you better understand right now, the police force has to be dismantled. They have to be defunded, as we see being talked about all over the place. This is what has to happen. And this is why Ocasio-Cortez has absolutely flipped her lid and is upset that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take away $1 billion from the New York uh, Police Department. And, uh, and to her, it's not enough because she wants it destroyed. Because as a communist, as she is, she knows there has to be total removal so that we can come in and completely take over. But if you have police armed, ready, they're combat worthy, well, that's not going to go as smoothly as you would hope. And so this, I mean, this stuff is as serious as it gets. And of course, abolish prisons. This is what they want to do. And this is why people are bailing out these rioters and these looters. These people are getting bailed out. The, the, the money's rolling in because they want these people on the streets. They know that they're going to produce successful results for the communist agenda. And so get the captives, set, them, set all these prisoners free that are supposed to be locked up, set the criminals free. Not just that, but they're also anti-capitalists. Look at this. So he, he quotes this, that this is another reason he can't support them. Anti-capitalism is anti-freedom it is anti-liberty and i don't know who in their right mind would desire that there's nothing desirable about it at all not just that he goes on with another reason and he says apparently not all black lives matter pro-abortion uh the blm stated and he quotes we deserve and thus we demand reproductive Justice Again, I'm telling you, one of the core ideologies, core tenets that BLM stands on is abortion. And this is not something they're going to give up. This is something they will protect uh, at all cost. This is something they promote uh, is the right for a woman to kill her unborn. 
Uh, it's nothing more than the spirit of Antichrist. But his argument here is, where's the outcry? All these millions upon millions of black babies being aborted, clearly not all black lives matter. See, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with this organization. Where's the outcry? Let me ask you this. Where's the outcry for the fact that literally almost 80% of all the surgical Planned Parenthood centers performing abortions are literally located within walking distance of minority communities. Is, I suppose that's just a coincidence. You'll never convince me of that. Not in a million years. Where's the outcry of that? Where's Black Lives, Lives Matter on that issue? Within walking distance of these communities. This is what you would call Margaret Sanger's dream of eugenics, of weeding out the weeds, as she would say, and getting rid of of those in society that are not uh, at the level that, you know, in her mind, which was very Hitlerian in nature, uh, where they should be. And so where's the outcry in that? I mean, you just look at it. There's so many things that we could look at in regard to this organization of Black Lives Matter that are very troubling, very concerning. I want to share with you a video. And when you see this video, if you knew nothing else, at least for me, if I knew nothing else about Black Lives Matter other than the mask that they wear, I would tell you something is very wrong and very evil. And what do I mean by this? We'll take a look at this clip. That you are powerful. You can, in 2016, you can change the reality of our time. Your vote, your negotiating power in the year 2016. Turn your centers, Islamic centers, mosques, into registration centers for voters. Black Lives Matter is our matter. Black Lives Matter is our campaign. Basically, you are the new black people of America. If we don't stand, you will see Muslims murdered in the streets. We are the community that staged a revolution across the world. If we could do that, why can't we have that revolution in America? How scary is that? That thought. If I knew nothing else but the fact that you have terroristic groups, known terroristic groups, you have radical Islam literally saying black lives matter is our matter. Black lives matter is our campaign where you have them joining, linking shields, if you will, locking arms. That, if that doesn't concern you, I mean, these are the enemies of Israel that want to see Israel destroyed. If you're biblically versed, you know what that means. You want to join the enemies of Israel? You are, you are siding to be an enemy against God. Not a wise move. And yet, this is exactly where the Black Lives Matter movement has gone. Let me peel back some more so that you can see the reality. Because I can tell you, historically, communism and radical Islam have linked shields. 
This is what they have done. Let me share with you an article called An Unholy Alliance. We read the following. Muslims and uh, communists, and it reads, Bolshevism, which is communism, if you're not familiar with uh, Vladimir Lenin and the Bolshevik Revolution back in the early 1900s, is literally through that, the Tsarist regime, the, the Russian regime, fell. An entire nation fell to communism. So Bolshevism became attractive alternative to many Muslims who flocked to the new organs of government being built by the Soviet regime. Lenin stated the socialist revolution will not be solely or chiefly a struggle of the revolutionary proletarians in each country against the bourgeoisie. Now, again, the proletarians, these are the the revolutionaries, these are the communists going up against the bourgeoisie, which is what? The bourgeoisie is the middle class. I'd like to point out something interesting. Who's getting hit the hardest in this corona lockdown that's being forced upon us? Who's being hit the hardest? The middle class, the bourgeoisie is being wiped out right before our eyes. Businesses are going out of business that will never come back. Small businesses all over the place. Oh, yeah, but Walmart's thriving and other big corporations and industries, they're, they're, they're going to survive this. They're going to be fine. But the middle class is being destroyed. And so continuing on, uh, it says, no, it will be a struggle of all colonies and countries oppressed by imperialism. In other words, our struggle is everyone's struggle against freedom against liberty against democracy or what they would call imperialism or colonialism so by imperialism of all dependent countries against international imperialism the bolsheviks welcomed left-wing muslims into their ranks and as a result approximately 15 percent of uh the communist party members were muslims in parts of central asia now listen to this Bolshevik leaders issued a call for a holy war against Western imperialism. Again, I tell you, the traitors wear the face of the arguments of their counterparts. In other words, the Bolsheviks went out, the communists went out and said, your war is our war. It's a holy war. They speak the language. They're speaking uh, radical Muslims language. And they begin to link shields. You would think something incompatible as communism and Islam could never, ever come together. But the irony of it is, is they are brother and sister. It's, it's crazy when, when you think about it. Now, it goes on. Lenin asserted that it was necessary to support Islamist movements under conditions in which they contested local ruling classes, colonial control, or both. In other words, Lenin says, we'll link with the Muslims so long as they're contesting the local ruling classes. So if you have in America right now Muslims that are not satisfied with American democracy and our ruling government... The communists will go in and say, you're not satisfied with it. You need to rise up against this. Well, isn't that interesting? Because that's exactly what's happening. You sh- we should have Sharia law here, you know, etc. And so continuing on, uh, 
This astonishing alliance was defended by Lenin with great vigor against those who believe that communists should have no dealings with religious activism. In other words, the writers are recognizing historically there were communists that opposed Lenin's whole vision here that we need to include Islam uh, in this matter, at least specifically with only within the context of destroying a nation. Keep that in mind. Uh, and communists are like, we don't want to do that because communism is anti-God. God is the enemy of communism because communism is a work of the devil. I mean, this is not, you know, rocket science. Continuing, he argued that it was vital to persuade such movements in the colonial world that their future lay with the workers of Europe against the imperial powers and that a dual approach was required. In other words, what he's saying, Lenin is saying, guys, if we actually want to accomplish to take down colonialism and imperialism, we're going to need their help. We need their assistance to be able to infect the entire world with communism. And so he recognized this. And so as long as it's in the context of, you know what, the goal is the same, they can get along. The moment that changes, it's over. And then you will find communism being a rabid enemy against those Muslims. Continuing, we read this. Look at this headline. Palestinians rage riots planned across the U.S. align with George Floyd protests. In other words, BLM. Now, I'm showing you this headline recently because the very thing historically that happened in the early 1900s, open your eyes, it is happening again this unholy alliance is taking part and we can there's many many other headlines that i could show you where people are recognizing what's going on and going this is this is insane but it's happening listen to this it goes on it says uh, hashtag black lives matter uk as israel moves forward with annexation of the west bank and mainstream British politics is gagged of the right to critique Zionism and Israel's settler uh, colonial pursuits, apparently now Israel's colonial as well, because of democracy, etc. We loudly and dearly stand be beside our Palestinian comrades. Now again, you know, and then they end with free Palestine, but two things here. Number one, notice the, <laughs> uh, the communistic terminology you have Black Lives Matter, who is a communist organization utilizing communist terminology, friendly terminology with this really anti-Israel move. Uh, any Palestinians, and not all Palestinians are in this camp, but any Palestinian that opposes Israel as a nation, that opposes Jewish occupation, which they call evil occupation, Anyone that does that, well, now those people are their comrades. How disturbing is this? Again, I tell you, if I knew nothing else but the fact that Black Lives Matter has linked shields with radical Islam, with known terroristic groups such as Hamas, with the Palestinians that want to see the destruction of the Jewish people, that's all I need to know. I don't need any more walk away, run for your life because they've chosen to oppose God. They've chosen to attack the apple of God's eye. 
bad, bad move on that. Let me take you to the founder, one of the founders, Patrice Colors. Let me take you to her personal website. I want to read to you something about this, and you'll really understand what it means to be an organizer. In January of 2015, Patrice joined representatives from Ferguson and members of the Dream Defenders in attendee trip to the occupied Palestinian territory and Israel. There she saw firsthand, now listen to this, this is on her own personal webpage, she saw the occupation, ethnic cleansing and brutality Israel has levied against the Palestinians and built real relationships with those on the ground leading the fight for liberation. Do you see this terminology? Totally demonizing Israel. I am telling you, Right now, there's a lot more going on with Black Lives Matter than meets the eye. This is as dangerous as it gets. It goes on. I believe that Black Lives Matter movement can benefit greatly by learning about struggles outside of the U.S., but particularly the Palestinian struggle. I mean, pay attention to the verbiage here. Where are we going to put outside? What, What is the primary concern? I mean, this is how it's worded. Uh, we're particularly concerned with the Palestinian struggle against the Jewish people. Uh, frightening on every level. She says this, I want this trip to be an example for how black folks and Arab communities can be in better solidarity with one another. They're linking shields. This is what has happened. The age-old mantra of communism and how it comes in to take over and destroy a nation is literally happening right now all over this world. Incredible. Look at this headline. Minnesota State Rep, Antifa, and Muslim groups plan to police Minneapolis under Muslim rule. Now, whether you're talking Black Lives uh, Movement, that's, that's the right arm. Antifa's the left arm. It's its counterpart. It barely, if at all, wears a mask. It, it really doesn't. Antifa just openly is a communistic uh, arm. And uh, so no secret there. But look at this. Communism linking up with Muslims and saying, hey, it just says we just talked about a few minutes ago. Uh, you know what? You can take control of this. This is the holy war. And you can implement Sharia law in here. And you better believe they're going to try to make good on this make no mistake this stuff is coming now the 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 text here just underneath says it would have sounded far-fetched just weeks ago it doesn't anymore minnesota state rep steve green on tuesday stated the obvious that virtually everyone else has been tiptoeing around and pretending isn't there what you're looking at in my humble opinion is communism moving into minneapolis and st paul And not just communism, but the leftist Islamic alliance, or what you would call the unholy alliance. This is what what I would say in frightening terms. This is what you call, this is the takedown move. If you're a fighter and you're into that, and as you go down, there's there's a takedown move. Where you totally put your opponent on on their back, and you basically go in for the kill. This is going in for the knockout punch. And so listen to me carefully. When we see this unholy alliance coming to fruition, we're at the takedown move. When you see statues falling all over this country, 
We are at the takedown move. When you see lakes being renamed, universities think, uh, attempting to rename their universities and aspects of all these things happening, all of this stuff is telling you this is the takedown. This is the judgment. Now, I want to bring one of the most important pieces uh, that we're going to cover today to the table. And... You know, it's going to explain so much of what I had mentioned earlier in regard to we've introduced a completely new nomenclature uh, into society. And you have to understand this because then it's going to make a very confusing and distorted world very, very clear to you. And, and, and you're going to understand why we have representatives, right? Congressional representatives like Rashida Tlaib like Ocasio-Cortez coming out who Ocasio-Cortez is a Latino and uh, she basically comes out and says all Latinos are blacks and Rashida Tlaib comes out and says Arabs are blacks that she thinks she's black and you have to understand people are going what are you talking about Rashida Tlaib's an Arab Ocasio-Cortez is a Latina but they're both identifying as black now and the obvious reason is is well because they identify with black lives matter well, let's unpeel this a little bit, and this is this is one of those light bulb moments. The headline of this is the Russian origins of Black Neo Marxism. Okay, and what we read is this: White does not mean white. White and radical uh, parlance parlance uh, means anyone of any race creed nationality color sex or sexual preference who embraces capitalism free markets limited government and american traditional culture and values now, there's more we're going to cover here but you have to let this sink in where white doesn't mean white we're not when when we hear the term racist that you're a racist or white privilege and we'll get into that in a moment all of these things it doesn't mean what you think it means where inside in your heart you actually hate people because of the color of their skin or you, you hate a black person simply for no other reason than what well, you're black so i hate you understand there is a communistic nomenclature that has absolutely successfully been implemented and this is it. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with being white, but white is a term referencing a person that believes in democracy, that believes in the American dream, that believes uh, we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what being white now means. It gets better. The philosophical concept belongs to Noel Ignatiev. Now, if you haven't heard of this guy, this needs to become a household name at this point where we're at in this country. Nolan Ignatiev, a white American of Russian origin, he's actually a third generation communist. You need to understand that. Who is the ideological founding father of numerous uh, radical black movements in America. Now, you want to know what the ironic thing here, and he just recently died. I want to say a year or two ago. Um, Noel Ignatiev is white. Okay, he has a Russian descent. He is white, and yet he's known for numerous radical black movements in America. The author of this concept was even lucky enough to see his best students, Black Lives Matter, in action. So when Patrice Colors comes out 
and, and we we clearly with by her own admission declaring they're trained Marxists. You got to just keep peeling this back in in what form of Marxism were you training? What kind of ideology have you been filled with? And the name you need to understand is Noel Ignatiev and his goal and his focus. Look at this. And then you can look at look at what's happening in this country right now and go, oh, my goodness, you cannot be serious that this actually has successfully been woven going on. Research into the work of this former Harvard professor. There we go again. Is it, again, is it a coincidence that we have this septic tank known as Harvard uh, producing more communists? It's, it's a communist producing factory. I mean, this is what it is. And so, and, and bright minds, highly intelligent, but Look at what's happening. Research into the work of this former Harvard uh, professor finally answered the question of why BLM proponents are so negative about the perfectly rational slogan, all lives matter. If you've ever seen this, I mean, that is the death of anyone who's going to attempt, you want to wear a shirt that all lives matter, you must want to die right now or be set on fire because culturally right now, it is not allowed. It's not accepted. You even have, uh, I think it was Walmart, right? Taking, having, being forced to take these shirts off, off the shelves and not being able to sell it. Amazing. Well, listen to this. The fact is that the black in the interpretation of Ignatiev is a revolutionary Marxist. Are you following this? To be white... In Ignatius' mind, in communistic mindset, a modern-day communistic mindset is to be pro-America, pro-democracy, pro-life, pro-liberty. To be black is actually means, well, you're a comrade. To be black means you're part of the market, Marxist ideology and what Marxism stands for, which, one of again, one of its core tenets is total destruction of morality. There can be no distinguish or line between good and evil that must be destroyed all those who do not agree with the left ideology should according to Ignatiev be eliminated and this is what I'm telling you there's no alternative anyone who comes against the communist ideology must be put down you must be destroyed according to Ignatiev black is not the level of the pigment of skin in the skin, but the level of adherence to the Marxist doctrine. Okay, so you gotta you gotta be introduced into a new nomenclature of terms. All right, it was he, a convinced, uncompromising, and resolute communist, who in 1967 proposed the doctrine of white privileged, not as a racial term, but as somewhat modified Marxist term of the class struggle. The notorious eradication of white privileges is simply the standard Marxist wealth redistribution expressed in Newspeak. You ever wonder where this term, and it's almost like, because I've talked to people and they're like, where does this stuff come from? White privilege and all this like animosity and, and hatred and, and being boiled down. And, it, and this is, I'm going to tell you, listen to me carefully. In this culture that we're living in right now, it don't matter if you're white or if you're black. 
There's a video of a black guy holding the American flag, walking around proud to be an American, and the crowd went absolutely ballistic, both black and white, calling him a racist. He was a racist. He was a bigot. Just all these derogatory terms. You know why? Because in Marxist nomenclature, he's not black. He's white. He's a racist. See, everyone that is not going to follow the Marxist ideology is a racist. This is why you have all these people calling Donald Trump a racist. He doesn't hate black people, but he's a racist. Let me, let me, we'll unpack this even further. I want to show you a video and it pretty much sums, sums it up. Welcome back to our Democratic Debate Special. Before she became a United States Senator, Elizabeth Warren was a professor at Harvard Law School. Very impressive. She was the first tenured professor of color, you'll remember, at Harvard Law School. So she's a researcher. She's got an academic mind. It's not surprising she's been able to discover countless new forms of racism permeating American life, kinds you've never heard of before. She listed them last night during the debate. Listen. We need to call out white supremacy for what it is, domestic terrorism, and it poses a threat to the United States of America. We live in a country now where the president is advancing environmental racism, economic racism, criminal justice racism, health care racism. Well, she's a lot of fun. Uh, the question is, what is she talking about? What is health care racism, for example? What is environmental racism? Well, Tucker, I can actually answer that question for you. I mean, here you have Elizabeth Warren, which, uh, again, isn't it interesting? Where is she from? Uh, Harvard. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. And apparently, we now have these items called uh, economic racism. See, it's called capitalism. It's called free markets. It's called reaping what you sow. But that's racism. We have environmental racism. Apparently, we have healthcare racism. Do you, do you understand what healthcare racism? Pay attention to what she's saying because she absolutely is a card carrying uh, Marxist. Come right out of the, the, the doldrums of Marxist uh, breeding grounds, the septic tank of Harvard. And her nomenclature, all of it makes sense as a communist that these are all racist because they don't, capitalism doesn't work. Uh, free. Uh, you know, free health care as Marxism supports socialized medicine. If you're against that, if you believe in private health care and being able to choose your provider, you are a health care racist. Do you understand how this works? And so we're dealing, uh, they've hijacked the English language. I don't know how else to say this. This is what's happening. Now, continuing on, look at, look at this, what this says. The goal of destroying the white race is simply so desirable, it boggles the mind trying to understand how anyone could possibly object to it. And again, you would think that Noel Ignatiev, being a white, is talking about killing all the white people in the world. That's not what he's talking about. Communistic terms, anyone that's going to embrace white privilege, which is to say, Capitalism, the American dream, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that is white privilege. We need to be black in the sense of not skin color, has nothing to do with it, but our affirmation to the communist ideology. I mean, this, this is absolute craziness. Let me share with you another video, which prior to covering this information 
would have not made a whole lot of sense to you, but it will now. I want to share a video of uh, Dr. Carol Baker, uh, who won the prestigious award just recently in 2019, uh, the coveted Albert uh, uh, B. Sabin Gold Medal. Uh, she's a highly accomplished infectious disease clinician, a teacher, a vaccinologist. We could go on. Uh, very, very bright, but it is interesting. As a side note, one of the schools that she graced in her time was Harvard. With that said, check this clip out. The battle is being fought. One family, one physician, one health center. That's why we're doing as well as we are. We're talking about the minority and strategies mm. against the minority. So I have the solution. Every study published in the last five years, when you look at vaccine refusers, I'm not talking about, well, hesitants, most of them we can talk into coming to terms, but refusers. We'll just get rid of all the whites in the United States because Houston is the most diverse city in the entire United States. There are seven Asian languages spoken in that city. I've been a minority for more than 20 years in the city of Houston. The, the majority is we call Hispanic. That is not a race or an ethnicity. That is a political designation. But a lot of them are from Central, South America, Mexico. Guess who wants to get vaccinated the most? Immigrants. Part that's of what, it. That's what made Donald Trump's uh, comments about bringing disease here so funny. They're at right. risk when they come here. Immigrants. They have better vaccination it, rates in Mexico. It is the well-educated. <laughs> in terms of pieces of paper that they put on their wall. Um, people that have been here a long time, and it's very unfortunate. And, but I think we need not lose the big picture. Are you starting to connect some dots? Because all of what we're talking about, it's all connected. From talking about the BLM and it's promoting and Antifa promoting Marxism and coming in and bringing the vaccination whole component in. All of this you need to understand is absolutely working together. And here you have Dr. Carol Baker, because if you're gonna be a vaccine refuser, you gotta understand we just need to get rid of all of the whites, which is to say, if you don't succumb to the vaccine, well, we need to take you out. We need to do away with you. And notice what she said. This is what's amazing. She says that the, the, you can rewatch the video later, but she says these are people that have been here a long time. Oh my goodness. I mean, you want to talk about dripping Marxism, dripping communism. These people have been here. They're called Americans that believe in democracy. And that includes many, many immigrants. See, but she is attempting to appeal to and, and look socially or, you know, uh, politically correct here by looking at all, oh, you know, we want to embrace all the immigrants. They're only if they do as they are told and get the vaccine. Otherwise, you're a white racist. And this is why the whites need to be eradicated. But I have news for, for Dr. Baker uh, in regard to this. There are many blacks who are not going to get immunized, who are very well informed and very well educated and morally towing the line. 
many radical sold out Jesus believers and they're not going to get into this but the sad thing is is they're not going to be considered black they're going to be considered racist they're going to be considered white because this is the nomenclature that has infected and polluted our country uh, to the point of let me play this next clip now, you may remember that Governor O'Malley got booed when he actually said that all lives matter, and then later he ended up apologizing. Watch this. Every life matters, and that is why this issue is so important. Black lives matter, white lives matter, all lives matter. Out of the candidates who answered that question, only former Virginia Senator Jim Webb said that all lives matter. Joining us now with reaction, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, CRN KRLA radio host Larry Elder, and Fox News political analyst Juan Williams. Hey, Sheriff, I'm having a hard time with this. Um, white lives matter, <laughs> black lives matter, Asian lives matter, Hispanic lives matter, blue lives matter. What, what is so controversial about saying all lives but matter? And what does it say when somebody won't say that? <laughs> Sean, it was a pathetic display. It was plantation politics in its finest hour, the continued enslavement of black people emotionally by the Democrat Party with this destructive liberal ideology. And they know it. They're whoring for votes. They know that's what they're doing. The liberal ideology has been very destructive for the black community for the last 50 or 60 years. Poverty is now generational. It's a lifestyle. The unemployment is obscene. They have to send their kids to failing public schools, drug and alcohol addiction, neighborhoods that are crumbling, all under Democrat control. They need to get off their knees and stop this stuff and take a real message to the American people and especially the black community that what they have done, they deserve an apology for from the Democrat Party. Now, remember Minneapolis, the Black Lives Matter movement, were chanting pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Remember this. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Pigs in a blanket, Okay, so in, in that clip, really what I wanted you to see and, and focus on, that even when Democratic candidates come out, who are part of the Democrat Party, you will find that they will get, get eaten alive just coming out and saying this statement that all lives matter is completely unacceptable. If all lives matter, clearly black lives matter, but that's not okay. You need to understand why that's not okay. It's not okay because black lives matter wants to control the narrative and anything else that attempts to undermine that narrative is going to be destroyed. And so this is not going to be accepted. Listen to this. This comes uh, from PJ Media. And the headline is, HuffPo wants to cancel black celebs who speak out against riots and destruction. HuffPost Taryn Finley, uh, Finley apparently wants to redirect cancel culture against black celebrities who refuse to toe the line on the left's race narrative. Her headline Yes, silence can be violence, but these celebs should shut up with a picture of, you guessed it, black celebrities. See, because these black celebrities are racist and their minds in a communistic mind. And in the whole thing of this silence is violence, do you understand what that means? 
It simply means that unless you argue and are allowed for our platform, you're a traitor, you're a racist, you're white privilege, black or white. This is what you are. And so this is, this is, where, it's, this is where it's come to. But if you do speak out against them, then they come after you. Then they're going to come after you and and tear you down. And this is this is an article, and there's others as well that we could that we could look at. But this is what's happening in our nation as we speak. And it, all of this, this is all manipulation. I mean, at its finest, they are master. As you already know, ideological subversion. It's about master manipulation. And I, I, let, let me give you another example in this clip. Look at this. You want to talk about manipulation. This is how bad it has gotten. Well, we've all witnessed it now. These Democrats in the House pandering to the black vote by wearing African garb. It's better not to have on high heels. <laughs> Well, this African woman has a serious problem with that. And after she's done excoriating the Democrats, let me tell you one more connection that that African garb has to slavery. Hi friends, I'm usually either too busy or too lazy to make this kind of quick video response. But today something happened and I thought it's actually important enough that I get in front of my camera and make a short video to explain something short enough for, uh, for me to post on Twitter. I was just looking online today, like most of you, and what did I see? A bunch of Democrat politicians kneeling down, of which I have nothing to say about that because I am not an American. However, they were all ha uh, having around their necks this colorful fabric, which I'm sure they put around their necks as some kind of uh, mark or show of unity or solidarity with black people. So in other words, they are putting forward the Kente material or this colorful fabric they had around their necks as uh, some kind of placating sign or symbol to show that they are not racist and they are together with black people. Excuse me, dear Democrats, in your tokenism, you didn't wait to find out that this thing that you're hanging around your neck is not just some African uniform. It's actually the Kente material. The Kente belongs to the Ghanaian people, mainly the Ashanti tribe. Excuse me, Democrats, don't treat Africans like we're children. These fabrics and these, you know, colorful things that we have within our culture and tradition, they all mean something to us. I know you look at us and you say, oh, Africans, you're so cute. You know, maybe your colorful dresses. Well, some of those dresses and patterns and, and colors and fabrics actually do mean something to us. Some of them belong to ancient tribes and mean something to them. So why are you using it as your own show of uh, non-racism or your own show of virtue? Why are you using the Kente material to signal your virtue? Stop it. We are not children. Africans are not children and leave our tradition and our culture to us. And if you don't know much about it, ask somebody. I'm sure there would have been something else you could have done to show your, your solidarity with black people. Instead of taking the Kente material and making a little show of it. Thank you very much from an African woman breaking it down why these Democrats are truly just pandering to black folks 
when they have no idea what they're even doing. I don't think they care what those scarves mean, but let me break down to you a little bit more about where that scarf comes from that they had around their necks. That comes from the Ashanti tribe. You know what the Ashanti tribe was known for? Selling slaves all around the world. Oh yeah, go look it up. So isn't it interesting that the Democrats trying to pander to black folks wore something that actually represented a tribe that sold slaves? Please share this message. Americans need to understand just how low these Democrats are willing to go. Thank you, David J. Harris, for that clip. I appreciate that. But there is a perfect example of all out, not just pandering. This is this is insane manipulation at its finest. And you know, I'll leave it to you to uh, question whether or not wearing a scarf pertaining to selling slaves was intentional or not. But considering what I know, I think this could have absolutely been intentional, but I won't even go there. I don't need to. Uh, look at this clip. I want to follow up with this. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that Black Lives Matter began in Ferguson, and it did not just make a moment in the history of civil rights. It created a movement. Without a movement, it all becomes so temporary. And a month later, it goes out of style, it's forgotten, until we see a man in New York saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And moments later, he's dead. And then we see Freddie Gray, who was able to walk and talk and even run. All of a sudden, he's dead. His spine is completely broken. But no one, no one has a reasonable excuse as to why so many black, young black males have been killed, murdered in the past year or the past two years. So I was supposed to talk about how all this relates to Martin Luther King's dream. I'm going to ask you, personally, I would like for you to forget Martin's dream and not descend on, into your own. Movements are not built on dreams. What we need is a conscious young and old advocates ready to change. Unbelievable. Out of all the videos that or the clips we looked at today, this is, uh, for me, one of the most alarming. Did you hear what she said and how she's like acknowledged that I'm supposed to talk about in regard to everything that we're seeing happening today, how this relates to uh, Dr. King's dream. Did you see what she said? Look at this. This is what she said. Personally, I would like you to forget Martin's dream. Do you understand why she has to say that? You could only understand this in, in, in the broad picture when you understand what Martin Luther King Jr. stood for, who he was as a man, where he drew uh, his, his salvation, his honor, 
his wisdom, his heartbeat for unity, to overcome the self-control, all of these things he drew from the word of God, the Bible. Now you think about this, it's, it's quite ironic, I think, that he's named after a white leader of the Reformation. I mean, Martin Luther was the leader of the Reformation, the Protestant, known as the father of Protestantism. And what did Martin Luther see? The reason there was a Reformation is because he saw all the corruption in the church. And he saw that it was this was not acceptable. And, you know, on the front end, what Martin Luther did was an awesome thing. And his heart behind it was an awesome thing. And saying these things, he's calling the church out on the carpet and saying, this is not what we're called to. We're better than this. this. As believers in Jesus, we need to do better than this. Isn't it fascinating that Martin Luther King Jr. is named after this reformer when he himself would be a reformer that would go out, that had that conviction that Martin Luther did back in the 16th century, having the conviction, seeing that the, the current status in America, we were not living up to the potential of what we were called as, as, as human beings, the high calling that we had and calling it out on the carpet and bringing these things to the table. But make no mistake, this was a man that was rooted and grounded. He valued prayer. He valued unity. He valued family. He valued the word of God. None of these things are of any value to the move we see today. Martin Luther King Jr. is not leading this, not even in spirit. You're going to have to forget. This movement is going to have to forget. That's why they're asking. Forget about his dreams. You know why? Because Martin Luther King Jr., his dreams and who he was as a person and the spirit of that person is incompatible with the filth that we see being perpetuated today. They couldn't be farther apart. And so I, I think we need a little, we need to have our memories jogged. Let me take you back to his famous speech. And I'm going to play a few clips on this. And so we've come here today to dramatize the shameful condition. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Fascinating. There's our first clip. We're going to look at several clips here from this speech. Um, did you... At any point, and, and going back to this time period and knowing what time period is where segregation wasn't just an idea, it was a reality. Racism was very potent at that time. Did you hear anything in regard to the fact that the Declaration of Independence 
is antiquated. Did you hear the fact that the declaration is a racist document as is being purported today? You don't hear any, it's fascinating. What does Dr. King do? He calls upon the document that all men, black and white, are guaranteed the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is what Dr. King calls, and what he's saying, he says, America has an amazing history. They have amazing documents, but you know what? We're not living up to this. The exact same thing that in the 16th century that Martin Luther saw with the Catholic Church that what scripture's asking of us, we're not living up to it. Dr. King saw the same thing. These precious documents that you have, you're not living up to them. And it's time to rise up to these great words. That is nothing. His rhetoric, what Dr. King is saying, is nothing like the garbage you hear today. At all. It couldn't be farther apart. Look at this next clip. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. Wow. Do you want to know why today you need to do away with Dr. King's dream? Because of what he just said, where he said, now is the time to make real the promises of what? Democracy. Now is the time to make that real. That's incompatible. Because it doesn't say now is the time to promote communism. The destruction of this nation. He doesn't say of that. He wants to make it great. He wants to make it greater. Interesting. Interesting. And then, of course, he says we are to make justice a reality for all God's children. Again, I tell you something that is anathema. The very thought to think that we are all God's children. It requires faith and humility and honor to go forth and to recognize blacks, whites, all of us, we are all God's children. I mean, such the, the, the words that Dr. King spoke on that day is, is absolutely beautiful. A beautiful, powerful speech. Going to our next clip. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protests to degenerate into physical violence again and again. We must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. And the marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. 
for many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. Let me ask you, is this the mantra that is being perpetuated today? Again, I tell you, it couldn't be farther apart. This sounds nothing like what we hear being said today. Whether you go online, through the, through the television, it doesn't matter. It's the opposite. See, the answer today is violence. The answer today is looting. It's burning down police precincts and stations and, and burning down post offices. And uh, this is the answer today. This is... This was not the spirit that was leading the civil rights movement back in Dr. King's day. This was not the spirit that he carried. And for him to say these unbelievable words, knowing what generation he lived in, when he says, do not satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. Incredible statement. And then in following up and saying, we must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. And understand, I listen to these words. This is not just for the black community. His words are so powerful. They're transcendent. It should be all humanity conducting themselves at this level, no matter what position we're in, no how, matter how bad we are at a disadvantage. I mean, these are powerful words, but again, guess what? They're going to try to make you forget the dreams of Dr. King. They have no place in this communistic unholy alliance uh, that we see happening right now. There's no place. Moving on to our next clip. I say to you today, my friend, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Absolutely powerful. 
But listen to these words that he says here. I'll put them up on the screen. I have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. Again, I tell you, why do you have to cast away Dr. King's dream? Why can't it be a part of it? Because his dream was part of the American dream. And then one day this nation will rise up to live out the true meaning of its creeds. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Now, I ask you, does Martin Luther King ask for the burning of the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence? Does he, is, he, is he calling these the racist documents? No, he's saying, listen, America, we're not living up to these words. You have these gracious and awesome words. It's time we start living them, that all men are created equal, black and white. And that comes, I mean, that reality comes right out of Scripture. That God is not a God that shows partiality. He will not. And those who govern his flock cannot show partiality on any level. And of course, you think of John 3, 16. God so loved what? The world that includes the black community. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is what Dr. King understood. And all of this is anathema to this diabolical evil known as communism as the spirit of antichrist that's what this is and so man does dr king is he just eloquent and just powerful in his presentation and one of my favorite statements in this entire thing is where he talks about i have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. How morally biblical is that? Absolutely beautiful. The question becomes, how do we get there? How do we get to what Dr. King saw? How, do, how, do, how does one get to fulfill that dream he had? And the answer is what I told you before. There's only one way. There's only one truth, there's only one life, and his name is Jesus. Son of the living God, the answer is the gospel. We have to have Jesus. We have to preach Jesus and him crucified and him resurrected. We have to preach the anointing of the Holy Spirit and how he anointed his apostles and his apostles went out to the four corners of the globe and began to deliver it before it was just a Jewish thing. But these Jewish people who had never integrated to the world and walked around and ate with Gentiles that were completely segregated, that were completely separated, guess what God did? He created a door for total unity. And we know the scripture and we know what Jesus said, that my house of prayer will be a house for all nations. His house of prayer is to be a house for all nations. His temple, that's his, where his dwelling presence is, is to be all of us in unity and to go to, to embrace that. The gospel is the only way. I want to give you guys an incredible example of this to show you this is not a pipe dream. This stuff happens, and it happened in the early 1900s. Early 1900s, this happened. Uh, there's something known as the Azusa Street Revival. It began with a black community, this black, little black Christian church, little humble church. 
ends up making waves across the world. I want to show you just a clip of two people that were a part of this revival. The basic beginnings were among the blacks. Soon white people joined the black people, overflowing the house and forcing them to find another place to continue meeting. Here is a picture made in the late 20s of that old building at 312 Azusa Street. Autos had replaced the horses of the 1906 era, and the church name had been changed. Ironically, this Azusa building had once been a stable. It seems that even as Jesus was born in similar surroundings, God again had chosen a humble house. Right here on Azusa Street, we have filmed two precious black saints, Reverend Catlett and Maddie Cummings, whose since have gone on to glory. For almost 20 years, these priceless movies were misplaced in the photographer's studio. It seems that God preserved them just for this day. Could you tell us what the main experience was that attracted the people, Maddie? Well, I think first it was because they came and they began to speak in tongues and people heard them speak in their own language. The Japanese, Chinese, and all the different nationalities, they heard them speak and the gospel was preached to them. You mean they had not learned these languages? Oh no, they had not learned because the Spirit of God filled them and they really uh, knew what the people were talking about and they too were saved. Now you saw this and heard this with your own ears. I certainly did. Now Dr. Simon, was this interracial, all different nationalities? The, the great thing, I believe, from studying the history of it was that people from all races and nations and tribes came here. Mm -hmm. Los Angeles yes. was a melting pot city. Right. Yeah. The pastor was a black man, Yes. Mm -hmm. And mostly blacks to start with, but soon Mexicans and Russians and Chinese and Japanese. And just like today. Just yes. like today. Yes. From all over the world came, and there was no distinction on race, was no, there? No, no. Nobody. Oh, one thing that was so nice, nobody ever said, well, you're black or you're white, but we were just children of God rejoicing and praising God for all of his love and all of his mercy and his kindness for his healing. And that was what brought the people. Do you understand that it is possible? Do you understand the power of the gospel? The world will never accomplish this. Sensitivity training isn't going to accomplish this. The governments are not going to accomplish this. Uh, the unity between uh, the human race. Not, you know, just you, you could think about blacks and whites, but then you, you have Asians and Hispanics and you have Arabs and we could go on and on. The only way to bring total and true unity that comes from the heart that is built upon integrity is to embrace the gospel and look at what the power of the Holy Spirit does. Notice what her testimony, keep in mind, this is early 1900s. Racism was very real. Segregation, absolutely real. And you have something unprecedented happening here where you have blacks and whites and Asians and Russians and all these different nationalities coming in and no one ever said you're black or you're white. For this gal, for this Maddie Cummings, to, to be able to say that in the generation she lived in, that could only happen because of the precious gospel of Jesus. Do you understand? So this is why the only answer to hatred, the only answer to the world's problems, the only answer to death, the only answer to sin is Jesus himself, Yeshua the Messiah, the King of Israel. We need to embrace him. This is, the, this is, the, this is where healing comes from. Amen? 
I want to play a video to you, and there's a reason I want to play with this. I, I get a kick out of this gal because she just brings it. But this is on the street just recently. Uh, she's educating some people in regard to the black community. This is a narrative that you won't get on CNN. This is a narrative you're not going to get on the, the liberal left uh, uh, stations on any level. Check this out. These Democrats, and I'm sorry to say this, I'm not trying to be racist, but they hate black people. These are the same people who fought to keep slavery in. These are the same people who built the KKK, created us from the beginning. The Republican Party is the party of the blacks. Blacks free, the Republican Party is the only party that the black people actually assisted in finding. So the same Democrats who hated black people from the beginning are the same ones who hate us now. And they use our cause. How did Black Lives Matter turn into something about LGBTQ? When blacks really don't support that. We're concerned. We're really not about that. Not only that, we don't support abortion. We're about workers. This is the black culture. We ain't even been about that. Not only that, we're not about feminism. No, we're not. Black women marry their husbands and respect their husbands. That's what we're on. We're not on this. Oh, I, I do what I want. We don't no. do that. That's not our community, and you would understand. I know you understand what I'm saying. We don't do that. But yet these people are hijacking our movement and the Democratic Party. They're trying to hijack our stuff. No. Notice. And she could not have laid the hammer down better on this. And she makes such critical points that historically the black community isn't about, they're not about LGBTQ. They're not about women's liberation in, in, in the sense of not honoring and respecting their husbands. Traditionally in this country, look it up. You don't got to believe me. Black community was extremely conservative. In fact, their divorce rates... Uh, were at one time much lower than even the rest of the public. They were churchgoers. They feared God. And so much destruction has come upon the black community because the devil got in and ripped out that component that kept them together, that kept them as a family unit, that kept them with, with this morality, just ripping out the gospel. It's absolutely demonic. But notice she said, you got Black Lives Matter coming in. This Democrat party, they have hijacked the black community narrative. And it's time to restore it to its proper context to where uh, we can join together. Uh, blacks, whites, Arabs, any other, whatever, Asians, it doesn't matter. All of us are God's children. And to be able to move in the Holy Spirit like that, to have that unity, we break the bonds of hate. This is critical. And so... I want to leave you with this. I think I'll let uh, Dr. King close us out. When we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, Free at last. Thank God Almighty. We are free.